Hi, uh, my name is Pam. I'm a marijuana addict, pothead, and I'm calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, this is the first time I've ever told my story on the phone like this, and it's kind of a unique experience for me. Um, here with my cat alone in my room, kind of uh, relaxing, but I try to imagine all of you out there um, listening, and um, I want to connect with all of you from my heart to your heart. And I want to really share my experience, strength, and hope with all of you because I do have hope to offer and experience and strength. So um, hearing Davia read the promises was, was really powerful because um, I can attest to the fact that they have come true for me. And my life has changed so dramatically from the days when I was addicted. Um, so I'll begin with telling you that I have been sober, a completely sober woman, um, for 17 years. And by that I mean I quit smoking pot, I quit drinking, and uh, cigarettes, and also no drugs. So I've been drug-free, marijuana-free for 17 years. And just saying those words is pretty astonishing because I... When I first started smoking pot, I really felt hopeless, and I never would have imagined the life that I have now. Um, so I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, um, and I'd have to say my childhood was very tumultuous, very unhappy, very a lot of yelling and screaming and fighting, and I don't know if it's because I'm overly sensitive, which I am, um, but that kind of those conditions were not. Uh, were not good for me growing up. Um, I did not feel loved. I did not feel supported. I didn't feel heard. And um, pretty soon, I, the time I was like 12, I would say, was the first time I thought about suicide. I desperately wanted out. I did not like life, living my life at home. It was just really, it was hell for me. Uh, I never had an outlet for my feelings. You know, I couldn't talk to my parents or I didn't have the tools to communicate. And I desperately wanted to escape from reality. I look back in my journals and that was actually one method for me to um, write about my feelings is journaling. And I have many, 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 many journals and just packed with words, 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 really dense. But even though I wrote all that, I didn't have an outlet and I didn't have anyone to share how I was feeling. My mother, she denied anything, uh, that there was anything wrong. She thought I was making things up. My father was absent and um, it was just, it wasn't a healthy environment for me. So because of that, I guess I, um, I wanted to escape. And I started acting out pretty early, you know, like I said, 12 years old, I poured some uh, toilet bowl cleaner in a cup and I wanted to drink it, which obviously I didn't, but I, um, I wanted to check out. So when I was 14 is when I really started acting out, stealing, smoking, sex, drinking. Um, but, you know, I wanted marijuana because my mother, she was a drinker. And I did not want to be like my mother. And I like to smoke cigarettes a lot. So I knew I would probably like marijuana. 
and this is in the 70s now. So um, the early 70s, marijuana was pretty big, and I really wanted to get high by smoking pot. And sure enough, when I was 15, I, I managed to get some marijuana, and um, I smoked some, and the very first time, I loved it. I just, I loved it. I loved that feeling, and uh, right away, I wanted some more. Uh, the next day, I wanted to get high. Immediately, I wanted to do it again. And the obsession for me kicked in instantly. Um, I liked the way it made me feel. So for the next um, solid 10 years, uh, marijuana was my priority. And I know this is a Marijuana Anonymous meeting, but I have to add to that. I did use a lot of drugs and I did drink, um, but the priority was marijuana. And very early on, I knew I was addicted. Somehow I knew, maybe because I was addicted to cigarettes, I knew that I had a problem with pot. And even my one-year anniversary of smoking pot, so I started when I was 15, the one-year anniversary, um, I was actually in a mental hospital for a suicide attempt. And I remember being bummed because I couldn't get high on my anniversary. And instead, I had to be in this mental hospital. <laughs> um, but as soon as I got out, and even actually when I was in the mental hospital, I found a way to get some pot, and I smoked some in the bathroom. Um, it, was, it was crazy. I was just so obsessed. It was such a priority for me because I wanted to escape. I wanted to numb out. I didn't know how to handle my feelings. I never learned. I just was never taught. I never learned. And I'd have to say when I was, you know, 14, 15, I stopped growing emotionally. I didn't learn how to, to live. Um, so it helped me cope. You know, it, it was, you know, on one hand, it was very detrimental to my well-being, but it also was a survival skill. I needed it to cope with my life. And it did that for me, although in an unhealthy way. Um, I managed somehow to go to college, and um, it was very isolated, very lonely, because I liked smoking pot by myself. Um, I, uh, it was just not a good time. You know, a lot of people have these great college experiences, but I didn't. I, I would smoke pot at night, so then I'd get up like at 4 o'clock in the morning to study for a test. <laughs> um, it was just a really depressing experience for me. Um, so I mentioned that, yeah, the suicide attempt at 16 because I had really hit bottom and I just, um, I just had a really hard time coping. So anyway, somehow I managed to get through, through college. I didn't do well, but I squeaked by and I somehow landed this job in Raleigh, North Carolina, actually. And, um, I thought, okay, this is a new way. I, I wasn't going to smoke pot. I was going to just drink. I was going to drink gin and tonics. But that didn't really work for me because I really missed marijuana. And fortunately, person, one of the, the women I was working with, she smoked pot. So it was back in my life. I was so happy because I didn't want to live in North Carolina without it. And so I was very happy to have marijuana back into my life. And so... I, I met a man uh, at work. His, his name is Doug, and he's still my husband today. He was a straight man. He had never smoked pot. He didn't drink much. He was a straight arrow. And there was a part of me that knew that if I married him, that would be like a survival 
mechanism for me. And he was like this steady rock. And I was kind of reeling out of control. And so I married him <laughs> to feel supported and to have some stability in my life. And, you know, the night before I got married, I smoked my last bong, I thought, and uh, I threw the bong into the fireplace saying, that's it, I'm a, a married woman, I'm going to start a new life, and I'm not going to get high anymore, and, um, and I didn't. So I had about five years, I was a dry person. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke pot, and I had two children very quickly, I was married, and let me tell you, I was so ill-equipped to be a parent. I didn't know what I was doing. I was terrified to be a mother because I didn't want to be like my mother was. So my only tactic was to do everything the opposite of what my mother did. Instead of saying, I, instead of not saying I love you, I told my children I love them. Instead of not hugging them, I hugged them. So I just did the opposite of everything my mother did. And it worked out actually pretty well. But I still was really suffering because I didn't have my drug. Fortunately, or not unfortunately, that uh, a woman came back into my life who I'd worked for before, and she asked me to work for her as a gardener, and she had marijuana again. So once my children, I think they were like four and five years old, marijuana came back into my life. And let me tell you, I was so relieved because that was a lifestyle I, I knew. I knew that feeling of, of numbing myself or just you know, just playing the music and partying. And I just felt young again. And it was just um, such a relief to have the marijuana back into my life. Um, but then what, of course, so here I am in my 30s now. And I'm smoking pot again. And I'm a young mother. And my kids are growing up. And as a stay-at-home mom, it's kind of tricky to get marijuana because, I didn't have the same sources and it was, you know, I would ask the kid across the street sometimes for a pot or it was, you know, getting kind of challenging. So what I would do is I would smoke pot by day, but then I started drinking at night. So my thirties were pretty much party years and where I would get high in the day and drink at night. And, and that seemed to work pretty well. Um, except for me having to hide it from my, my husband, hide it from my kids. Um, my kids were in school now, and there was a program that they took called the D.A.R.E. program about, you know, drugs and alcohol. And I was so high one day that I told them that D.A.R.E. stood for drugs are really exciting. And that's the kind of mother I was. I was a pot smoking, um, drinking, mother. And uh, I didn't know how to be anything else. I was very emotionally immature. Um, and I, I did keep trying to quit, though. You know, I would throw my marijuana into the toilet or into the pine straw, or I would kept trying to quit because I knew it wasn't healthy. And I knew that it was just this monkey on my back. But I kept going back to it. And every time I'd start again, I would say, this time will be different. This time, I will smoke only on special occasions. This time, I will only smoke on the weekends. But as soon as I had a little stash, bam, it had to be daily. And, man, that was such a drag. I wanted to be a moderate smoker. I wanted to be a moderate cigarette smoker. I wanted to be a moderate drinker. But I was not a moderate person at all. It was very annoying. 
Okay. So the fall of 1999, four things happened. I quit pot again. This time was my last time. Um, my mother died of alcoholism, which caused me, well, quitting pot caused me to double my drinking. So like I told you before, I would smoke pot during the day and drink at night. And that seemed to work for me. But when I gave up the, the pot, I had to double my drinking. And so that became a real problem. And the other thing that happened was my daughter turned 14. And that was the age I was when I started drinking and then getting high and getting to the drugs. So I thought, how can I tell my daughter not to do these things when I'm doing them? So that was a turning point for me, those, those four factors. And um, so because I quit smoking the pot, um, like I said, my drinking doubled. And I eventually got sober by, in AA. So part of my story does include AA because from, I love in, in the MA book, they talk about the, the dangers of cross addiction. And I went straight from marijuana to alcohol. And I know that doesn't happen for everyone, but for me, it did. Because I also like to drink and I am also an alcoholic. Um, and actually, thankfully, um, AA is what ultimately saved me. That's where I learned about the 12 steps. So now this is May of 2000, where I'm in the AA program, and I learned about these 12 steps, and I learned about powerlessness, and I learned about surrender, and I learned about a higher power, and all these things helped me with my marijuana addiction as well as alcohol. So I was very grateful that I turned into an alcoholic because it helped me with all three of my addictions. So that's how I became a sober woman through AA, through the 12 steps. I was able to quit smoking, quit drinking, and quit smoking pot. And that's where my recovery began. I had to stop all three because one led to the other, would lead to the other. If I smoked a cigarette, I would want to drink. If I drank, I'd want to get high. If I got high, I would drink. If I drank, I would smoke. So they're very linked for me, and I had to stop all three. And it was hard. That first year, let me tell you, it was, it was, it was the worst year of my life. It was the best year of my life. It was a powerful year, and I was, I was 41, and for the first time in my life, I was living life on life's terms. I was needing other people to help me. I was, I'd never had a support group of people who understood, and that was amazing to me. You know, going to meetings and listening to people share, it, it was amazing. So I found MA actually about six years ago, six or seven years ago, Davio uh, started a group in Raleigh. And I remember seeing an ad in um, a paper for Marijuana Anonymous. And I thought, oh my God, that is so cool. Because I remember thinking, I wish there was help available to me when I was a teenager. I thought, man, I wish there was someone who understood or someone who could help me with my marijuana addiction. And there was nothing. And so here seven years ago, there's an MA meeting and I went to that meeting and it felt like home. I just swear to God, it just, it just was so cool. And even though I hadn't smoked in 10 years, I still felt so welcomed and I was with my people, you know, other potheads and I loved that. So that's kind of the background of, of what happened. And so I wanted to share a little bit about what it's like now. Um, 
You know, the greatest advantage for me is that I'm free now. I, I don't have this monkey on my back. I, I'm not a slave to marijuana. You know, I was a slave. I had to find it. I had to, to keep it. I had to smoke it. I, I, I didn't know how to live without it. And I was a slave. So now to be free, it's wonderful because I can do things that I couldn't do before. My world was getting so small. I, I had very few friends. I would stay home because I, I like to smoke pot alone. I became like in the book, The Questions of Marijuana Anonymous. You know, I had my privately defined world. Um, all these questions of marijuana anonymous, the 12 questions are so amazing. When I read those 12 questions, I thought, I said yes to every single one. You know, they were so true. Had smoking pot stopped being fun? Yes. I could never get back that first tie that I had. I can still remember it, but I could never quite get that back. Um, do, do I ever get high alone? Most of the time. Is it hard for you to imagine a life without marijuana? Yes. Did you find that your friends were determined by marijuana? Yes. Just these 12 questions, every single one just spoke to me. So I, I just... I just love those questions. So the life I have now is there's no more sneaking around. There's no more lying, not only to my husband and my family, but to myself, because I constantly lied to myself. I would say this time it will be different. I'm not going to smoke today. I'm not going to smoke, you know, until so-and-so. But I, I broke those promises again and again and again. You know, I, I was so burnt out all the time. I didn't have the energy to live the life that I'm meant to live. I have so much more energy now. And it took a while, though. I mean, you know, like I said, it's been 17 years. For the first, you know, few years, it's, it's rough. I mean, sobriety is a bitch. But the alternative is worth. It was worth. And it's so worth it. It is so worth it. Because now I'm, like, authentic. I'm I'm an authentic person now. I'm not cowering under this addiction. I'm I have a purpose. I, my purpose is to share the message. You know, I sponsor a lot of women. I, I living a sober life is powerful. You know, especially in these this time, um, what's going on in the world right now. I have a greater responsibility to be the light. And when I was smoking pot. My light was getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And it's, it's, it's just so amazing to me that I feel like I have a purpose in life, which I never, you know, growing up, I felt like there was something wrong with me. There was just something wrong with me. And I was very diminished. And the 12 steps, they saved me, you know. The steps gave me... Um, a higher, a higher power that I never really knew that I had. Ultimately, this is a spiritual program, and I really like that about the 12 steps because I I didn't know where to find relief, or and I couldn't find it from you know my parents or other people. But a higher power and developing that relationship with a higher power was fundamental to my recovery, and is continues to be fundamental. And my first few years, I'm like, you know, other people had these connections to a higher power, and I didn't really get it. But it's something that grows. And I, 
I've watched my relationship grow with my higher power over the years. Um, so let me see. If, so, if you're new and you, you know, if you're new to MA, I hope that you'll see this program as a gift. And it's something, like I said, that I wish I'd had when I was younger. I mean, I don't know if I would have accepted the gift, you know. I mean, I quit smoking when when I needed to. And I needed to hit my own bottom, and we all do. Um, but sometimes I think, man, if, if I had had an MA program, you know, when I was 17, 18, 20, maybe I wouldn't have turned into an alcoholic even, you know, if, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's just a powerful program. And the other thing, you know, don't quit until the miracle happens. You know, I didn't find the miracle happening for, for quite a while because I was sick. I was, I was broken. And it took, you know, several years of daily vigilance, of going to meetings, of working with a sponsor, of of working these steps, taking my inventory, growing up. I had to grow up. I had to take responsibility for my life and stop being a victim. I blamed my mother most of my life for all my problems. And this program helped me to understand that she did the best she could. And um, I needed to take responsibility and grow up. And where I'm at now is, it's so important to me to bring more light onto the planet. You know, when I'm an addict, small, smoking pot, I'm not any good to anyone. I live in my own little world, my own little self-centered, selfish world, and now I can give, give back what I've been so freely given. I've been given so much in this program. And I've met some really cool people. I mean, potheads are awesome people. They're creative. They're smart. They're fellow seekers. We're all, you know, we're seeking. We want serenity. We want peace. We want, we want to feel okay with ourselves. And I finally found that. And it's my greatest pleasure if I can give that back to someone else. Because it's in giving that I receive. And the more I give, the more I receive. So it's this beautiful reciprocal thing going on with this program, you know? And I just can't say enough about um, how happy I am that I am in MA. I'm also in AA. And let's see, what time is it? 8.35. I don't know how long I've been talking, but it feels like I've been talking a long time. And I don't want to start sounding like I'm lecturing. Oh, I hate lecturing. Um, so I think that's pretty much what I want to share. I want to offer hope. Um, stick with the program. It's, it's so worth it. And we need you. You know, we need you. Um, we need you. So Thanks for letting me share, and um, thank you so much for listening. I hope there's something you gleaned from this. Thank you.